Hi everyone, Rainy Bastarash here, and today we're actually doing an interview with John Sanicandro of MindBodyCoach.org. And I have a little write-up here I'm going to read, talking about John. John's been a teacher, a psychotherapist, athletic coach, and personal coach for over 30 years. He is a licensed mental health counselor, certified mind-body coach, and certified life coach. He is also an experienced clinical hypnotherapist and has been a practitioner of, this is going to be fun, Yuchi Ryu Karate. <laughs> Did I say that? Okay. I'll, I'll give you a chance to pronounce it right. For the past 25 years, he maintains an active blog at mindbodycoach.org where he writes weekly on self-help, personal development, and mind body coaching. So welcome, John. I'd like to thank you for showing up, and I'm going to give you a few moments to uh, talk about yourself and about your business, if you would. Okay. Um, I, my original uh, career was in teaching, and I know you and I met in 2008 uh, at a time when I was considering a career change. Um, I was a psychology teacher for a number of years, and that interest in that led me to pursue uh, a master's degree as a clinical uh, therapist, and um, for a while I did two careers, like a lot of people, clients that I have, I would like to have been fully in mental health and just didn't imagine or see how it could work out. Uh, you, I, I know that you know, I mentioned I'm a, uh, have hip, hypnosis experience, I learned that from you 2008, and something I did from that um, is I used that as a catalyst for my own ability to make a career change. Uh, by 2009, I was fully in mental health. I'd been uh, working in mental health until 2014. I'm still somewhat in mental health. And in 2014, I decided to kind of combine some of the things that I've been doing as a career for close to 30 years into mindbodycoach.org. And that's really what that whole thing is all about, getting people to make changes in a way that's more user-friendly, so to speak. Uh, what I do is I combine aspects of uh, certainly mental health, uh, personal development, uh, hypnosis, visualization, diet, exercise, wellness, and try to work out with clients something that's going to get them to where they want to be. Okay, great. And I, I, I jumped the gun uh, earlier when I said, now, how, how did I pronounce that karate thing I was talking about? Weichi Ru. It's a... I, uh, Mutilated that, didn't I? <laughs> oh, it's easy to mutilate. Uh, one of, the, one of the, the beliefs that I have about mental health and wellness is that everybody needs to have some activity that they do regularly that makes them feel like they're an athlete. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunate to find that uh, when I was in my early 30s. Uh, I had been an athlete as a kid growing up and athletic coach of uh, track and football. And I found that in the early... 90s before it became what it is today. Today it's become Little League. Uh, one of the things that I've written a lot about on my blog is the health and wellness benefits of that as a lifetime activity. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to sell it to people because Americans have this idea in their mind of what it is. And unfortunately, most of what they have as it is is through taking their kids to some school where some 15-year-old master gets them to do it, but certainly it's a much deeper and, and broader study than that. Um, you know, the mind-body benefits of that are uh, considerable. And if people are interested, I've written a number of articles on my blog uh, about that. Simple search of the word karate would bring up all of that. Mm -hmm. 
Great. Now, you have uh, being being a coach. I'm sure you have uh, people coming for all reasons. But what do you think is the uh, main reason or the main issue people are having that would come to see you as a coach for? Well, the biggest thing that that I see in in clients uh, that see me for for coaching, uh, but also in mental health clients, is people people very much get caught up in their own head and think that they can't or they should or they might, but there's something, an obstacle in the way. And, you know, it virtually never fails that the obstacle in the way is the way they view themselves in the world. And, you know, from that point, most clients are looking to make changes. Uh, Goal setting is a huge thing. Career change is a huge thing. Um, I do very well with clients and have a lot of clients that they're at that stage in life where they're starting to be concerned because, you know, I'm not a kid anymore, but I feel like a kid, but I don't move like a kid and I don't think like a kid and all these kind of obstacles develop and more often than not, the obstacles are here. So I work with that, you know, taking the, the, the psychotherapeutic background that I have and I put it in uh, sort of a user-friendly format, get them to examine their thinking patterns, what behaviors they're doing, how those thinking and behaviors lead to positive change, and then what their outcomes are going to be. We work out a plan where um, I usually start the same. Uh, I usually start them with a frame of reference, which is I'll send them one of my e-books. They'll read it. We'll start using that as a format for change. Um, also, I, I combine a lot of the things that um, I learned from your training in 2008, which, by the way, I highly recommend if you want to, you know, people are looking at self-hypnosis. Uh, that and the visualization skills that I learned both as an athlete, martial artist, and coach. You know, I, I to be honest, I use this line quite frequently with my, my clients about how your, your mind... And your, and your body cannot tell the difference between reality and imagination. Exactly. Uh, something that I know that you're a big believer of, and I work with that. So we kind of look at the outside. What are the nuts and bolts of where we're going with this? I, I break it down into a, a format which I call smarter goals, and it's fairly common. But an additional thing that I like to do with them is the you know my mental conditioning, the mental rehearsal, the practicing of that. And it's incredibly, incredibly powerful vehicle for change. Great. Well, you, you kind of answered partially my next question, which was going to be if someone came to see you for, you know, whatever issues they had, what would your usual course of action be, uh, which would be sending them your book and, you know, having them read that and then, what, basically making a plan. Right. Uh, we, we get together via phone or, or on Skype. Um, this, these are for my clients that don't come face-to-face. And we work out a plan. I look at the question, what do you want? What's keeping you from have it, having it? How would you know when you have it? And mm-hmm. what resources can you utilize? Now, that last thing, what resource can you utilize? Most people automatically think of, well, I could call my Uncle Joe and he could front me a couple of grand and I could, you know, buy the equipment. That's part of it. But there's also the, okay, what resources do you have going in your life that you're not aware of? There's a concept in behaviorism, it's called generalization. Essentially what it means is what skills you have in one area of your life have portability to other areas of your life. 
most people don't think of that. So I kind of, in some respects, I'll do what I do as a psychotherapist and overall look at your background, psychosocial development, and so on, and take that and say, okay, what strengths do you have? How are we going to build on that? Because most people, give a quick example. Um, a woman client of mine had difficulty uh, communicating with her husband in being assertive in conversation. What do you do for a living? She is a, was a director of a nursing home. And what she, one of the things she did routinely at work that didn't think anything of was she was the person who would go in and tell the family, mom, dad, uncle Joe's got hours to live. How do you want to do this? I said to her, you got to be kidding me. You can't talk to people about serious stuff, and that's what you do for a living. <laughs> Bang, light went on. I said, you know, you want to step into that role and that mindset. And, you know, we do the, the, you know, obviously the visualizations part of it. I'm a huge believer in physicality being a way to project um, a certain image outside. But, you know, all the research indicates that the way you perceive yourself is generally going to be in part because of how you physically carry and conduct yourself. And she made huge gains immediately simply because she realized, oh, yeah, gee, I can do that. Because I looked at her and said, you do difficult conversations for a living. And she said, what do you mean? I told her. And she said, oh, that's another thing I like to do. I like to come at what they're doing from a strength-based perspective. And that's a big part of what I do. Great. Yeah, that makes it's uh, just like with salespeople. You know, say, oh, I can't sell anything. You've been selling things since the day you were born. And yes. once they realize that, you know. That's absolutely correct. And so many people don't realize, you know, I, you know, my, my clients are all adults, um, at least in my coaching practice. And people lose touch with what abilities they have because we overthink things. I use the analogy all the time with my clients when they say, I can't, I won't, I'm, I'm never going to be able to. When they get negative, I said, you know, I often say this, it never fails to get a smile. I said, you know, if you believe like that, if you believe that years ago, you'd probably still be sitting in a dirty diaper on your parents' kitchen floor. And they'll look at me and I'll say, do you understand what I'm saying? I go, all right, I get it. We overthink things as adults. That's what we do. That's the element of being a human is we're planning for the next this, the next that, and if I keep thinking about it, I'll be ready for the unexpected. Once a client learns that the unexpected is, by definition, unexpected, they can start living and start making some, some moves forward. Good point. <laughs> a light bulb just went off when you said that. The unexpected is actually That's the unexpected. How bulb. can you prepare for it? Well, yeah. another thing, uh, I, I uh, you know, recalling your, uh, I know it's not an original quote, but it sticks in my head, it's coming from you, that all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Mm -hmm. I yeah. like to tell my clients, these are my therapy clients as well. All help is ultimately self-help because I can't fix you. I can help you fix you because you probably have resources and strengths and assets that you haven't used since you were a kid. You know, a lot of times people stop using them somewhere in the early years of school. Uh, a switch goes off in our head and we start self-sabotage. Little kids don't do that. Um, and, you know, if you think about the development of all of us, we speak English, any language. Some people speak multiple languages. You can tie your shoes. You can ride a bike. You can hit a baseball. You have an adult try to do something like that. Right away, the negativity comes in. I can't. It's impossible. I'm too old. I'm too heavy. I'm not good enough. It's all nonsense. 
And that's what I try to, to sort of convey to my clients. Now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty here, okay? I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> okay. Now, of course, because you do all these things, you obviously have your act together and know quite a bit. However, before you became the, the coach and psychotherapist and all the things that you do right now, um, have you had ever had anything that you suffered from, negative mindset, that held you back from being the person that you are now, and how did you get past it? Well, I can't think of anything specific other than the normal you know, teenage angst of, you know, am I ever going to be this, that, or the other thing? But one of the things that, you know, I don't know if it's a characteristic genetic, I think certain things seep into your DNA, so to speak, is the idea of uh, consistent effort. You know, that, that a lot of the uh, recent research that I've done, both for my own personal development, but also for my, my, my practice, my coaching and my clinical practice, is uh, behavioral-based. And one of the things that I kind of intuitively knew, even as a kid, was that if you don't feel well or you don't feel about, well about yourself, the way to overcome that is to do something. I've developed a, a saying, and this is one of my original thoughts, by the way, uh, where I tell my clients, get out of your head and get into your body. And what does that mean? Well, getting into your body means to get out of this. This is where the negativity lives. This is the, this is the, the key to a successful future or the, the key to staying in your parents' basement the rest of your life. And it, it's all nonsense that plays up here. Is doing something. You know, a, a lot of the research that's come out in the last few years is uh, in a field called positive psychology. Um, University of Pennsylvania has gone overboard with research and uh, evidence-based studies that show the way to change attitudes is to first change behavior. You know, the, you know bring, the, bring the mind and the body will follow. You want to change your mindset, you change your body. And one of the things that, that I learned as an athlete, now that, you know, knowing what I know now, uh, when I didn't feel well physically, bundle up, go for a jog. Um, felt poor self-esteem, go work out, you know, uh, mm -hmm. move some weights, do some push-ups, get comfortable with that physicality. And that has always, always, always been a catalyst for change for me, that when I don't feel well, that's what I do. And um, yeah, I've been thrilled in the last couple of years to see that a lot of the research indicates what active people like myself have known all along, that we don't do these things to look good, I mean, it's nice to look good, but the mental health benefits are certainly much, much better. And, and self-esteem, my self-esteem as a kid was always bolstered by athletics. Uh, and then later on, moving into adult life, it was, you know, can I get this as a teacher? Can I get this? Can I get through to this kid? And then after a period of time, it became, can I get through to these adults? And that's part of what's always driven me. I think anyone can improve self-esteem if they're willing to do something for someone else without judging it. Just do something. Because my rationale with self-esteem is if you have something to give to someone else, if you've got enough to give something away, then clearly you've got enough for yourself. And that really uh, yeah. something that resonates with people. Great, great. If you had one secret, you get a bunch of them, but if you had one secret you could share or a bit of wisdom 
to help viewers to achieve success, their own success, or the success that you have, you know, in case they want to go that way, what would it be? One secret I think is, I know that you're a big believer in the secret. Um, I, I've written an article, which I don't know if you've seen it, and it's something that I believe in. It's called The Secret Is, There Is No Secret. And to me, the secret is combining positive thinking with action. Because positive thinking will get you so far. Affirmations are great. They're twice as good if they're paired with action. Because if you're telling yourself, I can do something, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, and you're doing little incremental parts of it, your confidence goes up. And I remember something that... uh, might have been you that said, is that if you open your mind to these possibilities, uh, I believe, I think it was you, the universe will line up and it will happen the way you envision it. And my take on that is when you envision something and you really work it hard here, during your waking hours, during your day-to-day life, you'll see opportunities to act that you didn't see before because you've been working this. Exactly. That's where the, you know, the self-help hypnosis becomes a big thing. You know, you, you, you know, as a, I meditate every day and or do aspects of self-hypnosis. If you're doing that on a regular basis, things will pop up in your life. Possibilities will open up. And is it the universe? Maybe. But I think you're more in tune with a possibility here, a possibility there. And, you, and you, things start happening very quickly when people do that. And that's the one big thing I would say. Get out of your head and get into some action. Break it down. Take some action. Continue to you know, visualize positively. But when an opportunity is there, if you're stuck in your head, you're not going to see it because you're walking around like this. If you're in your body and your head, it's going to be, oh, yeah, yeah, I recognize this opportunity. You know, A lot of good opportunities in life go by because we don't see them. And, you know, combining those aspects, you know. But the biggest thing, I, you know, I think with clients is, okay, let's do something. Let's take an action. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, uh, one of the things uh, we teach about the subconscious mind, one of the traits is that you'll always attract whatever you focus on. And what you were saying about action, the more action you do, the more you're focusing on it as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good. Now, I told you about we have a rapid-fire section. This is where I'm going to ask you 10 questions, and I'm going to give you two minutes, and you think I was kidding about the two minutes, the uh, clock. <laughs> oh, we're going to be better time? <laughs> oh, yeah, I time it. And I think I told you that the uh, – did, did you see what the prize was for the winner? I don't know. It was uh, – well, I believe it was 20,000 New Guinea uh, – uh, the, rub- the rubles they have, which is, if yeah. you pick up with the exchange and everything, 20000 is, I think it's almost a dollar right now. So okay. <laughs> good, work should be, good work should be rewarded. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? I'll, I'll, as soon as I ask you the first question, I'll hit the start. And okay. let's see. Here we go. What do you do when you're sad and you want to change your mood? When I'm sad, I do something. I get up, I'll exercise, I'll go for a walk, push-ups, whatever. I'll do something. What's your favorite affirmation? And if you don't have one, what would it be? Uh, not really an affirmation, but I frequently run sayings through my head. And the biggest one I run is the man who thinks he can and the man who thinks he can't are both right. It's a Henry Ford quote that I love. Exactly. 
what are the top three things on your bucket list? Oh, God. My bucket list, um, again, mostly, uh, well, I live here on 17 acres in New Hampshire, self-sustaining farm, health and wellness for my kids and family, and uh, what the samurai called a good death. Okay. So, what, what's your favorite book of all times and why? My favorite book of all time is not very cheerful, but it's a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I've read it every year probably for the past five to ten years. Uh, I frequently have clients read it. It puts life in perspective. And if you're interested in finding meaning in life, it's a great book. Now, now here's a long one. What's your, uh, do you have any pets? And what are their yes. names? Okay. This is going to be quick, all right? I'll get through the, the, the minutes. Uh, we are the owners of five dogs, Boss, Gronk, Bandit, and Katie. I'm sorry, four dogs, two cats, um, Onyx and Sally. And right now I have uh, 12, 18 chickens downstairs and two ducks waiting to go out. As soon as the names? Way. No names because... <laughs> Dinner one, dinner two, dinner three, because you're never going to eat them. There you go. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> okay. If you could be, uh, do or be anything in the world, what would it be? To me, it's not what I do. It's how I feel, and it's happy, fulfilled, and having meaningful work. Uh, you know, the role is not the issue for me. Okay. Where's your favorite place in the world that you've ever been? Any place in nature, any place outdoors, any, any place away from dirty air and uh, any place where there's a million stars in the sky. That's so where you're living. There you right go. now. <laughs> okay, where's the uh, number one place in the world you'd love to go to visit? Not a big travel fan, but I would, if I could, like to go to Okinawa. Uh, as someone who's practiced karate for most of my adult life, I think that would be really interesting. And not, again, the way they practice it, very with the rituals and the whole purpose behind it, I, that I think would be one of the few things to get me on a plane to travel. Okay. We, we've hit the two minutes, but I'm still going to go through the last question. So the, the, uh, the, 90, the 98 I mean, cents is gone. Sorry. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> right out of your reach. Look at that. You can't, you can't buy me. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite food? Probably chicken, right? <laughs> Small, fist size chunk of ice cream. Gotta have ice cream. Specific kind? Uh, no. Not just no. ice cream. Okay. And finally, tell us something about yourself that no one else knows. That I am essentially a shy person. You know, with one of the, the career, unfortunately, the careers I've chosen have forced me to, <laughs> to actually live a lot of the things that I teach clients. And one of it, you know, a saying that I, I use quite frequently with my clients is. Fake it till you make it. You know, there's a lot of research behind that. And, you know, as a shy person that's in a people-oriented profession and used to teach, I probably over the years taught 10, 12, 15,000 kids. Uh, people, I think people are surprised to know that. But well, You're you a good fake faker. It. You, can, you can fake it till you make it, right? right. Yeah. You're a good faker. That's good. So you should be in, in Hollywood. Well, probably. <laughs> sometimes I think I am. Okay, getting back to the, the serious questions, and this, you mentioned something about this earlier. Uh, if you were to look into a mirror right now, because you said this about one of your clients, I think, uh, looking into the mirror, tell me three things you like about yourself. I'm persistent. Uh, I am uh, dedicated. 
and I think I have a decent sense of what's important to me. And, that, and that's important. I think a lot of people uh, do what is frequently referred to as people-pleasing. And their self-esteem comes from other people. And um, yeah, I like to think that I can tell if I'm giving things to other people that have benefit. And I don't have to maybe be something that I'm not to feel that way. Great. There's an important nugget right there. Yeah. And we spoke, I was talking to you actually before about the five-minute procrastination cure, and we have a, a, a section on our page called the do-it-yourself section, and I was wondering if you can tell us what this five-minute procrastination cure is and how it works. Right. Well, what it, what it is is it's based on the, you know, the premise that, that you know, I've been talking about here, and uh, if people understand uh, clinical psychology, uh, there's different theories people have. I, I'm a behaviorist, and my perspective is cognitive behavioral therapy. So as a behaviorist, and the research at UPenn and their, and their the research on uh, what they're calling positive psychology all points to the reality that behavior drives feelings. Now, feelings can cause behaviors, but once a behavior kicks into place, the feelings follow. So the five-minute procrastination cure is based on that premise that we spend too much time thinking, not enough time doing. So um, I actually wrote this article about three weeks ago, five-minute procrastination cure, and it was in part because of my own, i got to do my taxes in two weeks. So most, you know, I'm like the hair club for men guy. Most of the stuff that I tell, you, I tell my clients is stuff that I've done. I've done it with clients. I know it works. So I was thinking about my taxes. Okay, i got to do this, and I'm a big believer in self-talk. Okay, John, if you were a client, what would you tell you? And that was the, the gist of that article. That's where it started. You take something you don't want to do. might be a phone call. might be a uh, combining stuff for your taxes. might be mowing your lawn. Um, something that you've been putting off that you know you're going to do, you're going to get to it someday, and I know I'm going to do it because I have to do it but you put it off till the last minute because you don't want to do it. So we believe that the brain drives everything because we're intellectual creatures. And if you think about human evolution, one of the reasons that we've survived as a species is because of this. Now, survival is pretty easy today. So this gets in the way of us doing what we need to do. So the five-minute procrastination cure, you take this task that you didn't want to do. And you break it down into manageable steps. It's uh, currently April 7th. I'm sure there's a few people waiting to do their taxes. We'll use that as an example. <laughs> I, really? I haven't done okay. it. <laughs> okay. So you probably got a ton of W-2s, 1099s, stuff like that. You put them in order. Okay. First step would be putting them in order. Do you do your own taxes? Yes. Oh, okay. You have an online program that you're going to use? Nope. Do it from scratch. <laughs> okay. okay. So, so you, you break this down into manageable steps, and you put it into chunks. Uh, chunking is a uh, behavioral technique where you take a, t- a task, you break it down into bite-sized bits, and you do them from A to Z. So first step for you would be you get your W-2s together, all that stuff together. Um, second step might be if you pay quarterlies, okay, what have I paid? Let's get the slip that says where I paid my quarterlies. Put that here. Uh, third step might be to go online and pick a, hopefully, a free online thing, TurboTax or whatever. 
Uh, the second step would be to begin entering the demographic in information. The next step would be to, you know, continue through doing that. So you get this, and you don't wait for the inspiration to do it, because the inspiration isn't going to come. The, the, the theory behind the five-minute procrastination cure is your action is going to give you the inspiration. So you set a timer for five minutes. You get that stuff ready, even if it's, you know, okay, set the timer, I'm going to go look for the W-2s. But you just do it. And the, and the challenge there is that you don't want to overthink this. It's pretty simple stuff. You, know, you, 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 you talk to your wife, you talk to a friend, really just, just do the damn thing. But something's holding you back. What's holding you back is what's going on upstairs. So you break it down, you start doing it, but you set that timer for five minutes. Right? And no matter what, you're going to stop after five minutes, at least for a period of time. 24 hours is a good one. So you start, you set that timer for five minutes, and you get going. Never fails. People will get into that process, and when they start thinking, it's, nope, don't think, don't think. It's like if, you're, if you meditate, you, one, of the, one of the things that you learn to do is to get back to your focus. You know, your mind is going to wander. Uh, difference, one of the difference between self-hypnosis and uh, meditation is with self-hypnosis, you are cre- creatively using where your mind, you're directing where your mind goes and you focus on it. You make it real, you dial it up, you bring it in, you, you practice it as if it was real, and then in real time it becomes real. Well, with meditation, one of the things you learn is that when you lose your focus, you go back to your focal point. Okay, forget the thinking, go back to what you're focusing on, whether it be breathing, ambient sounds, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this action, when you start thinking, yeah, but I don't, just forget it, go back to the activity. What am I supposed to do? Where's that W-2? Where's the other one? Where's the one from Amazon? Oh, geez, that, that, you know, you, you do that and you don't think. You, you focus on the action, get back to the action. After five minutes, that alarm goes off. You're going to be upset. Oh, geez, I'm just getting into this. Now you realize <laughs> it, it's, it's sort of like a mind game. And what, what's happened there is your body has started to do something. And now you know you can do it because you already started doing it and you didn't overthink it. So the feedback you get is that feeling of frustration that, oh, man, I was just getting going here. Now, if you want to cheat, if you're doing your taxes this weekend, you want to cheat? I know I said I wasn't going to go back to it tomorrow, but you know what? I'm going to shut the timer off. I'm going to go as long as I, as I can. Save it, put it away, and come back to it. And, and you repeat this as often as you need to, but five minutes is very much, um, it's analogous to uh, exercise. Right? People that exercise know you don't always feel like doing it, but you're virtually always glad that you did. And somewhere in that first five, 10, 15 minutes, depending on what it is, automatic pilot kicks in, and you start feeling mm-hmm. that connection where the, the effort becomes a little bit more effortless, effortless-less, if that's the right word. That's what you're looking for with the five-minute cure. The, the, the faulty logic we have is, I will do this when I am motivated. When the logic really should be, because I am doing this, I am motivated. Well, how do you know that? Well, I'm doing it. It's the, it's the don't look down theory. You know, if I... If I asked you to walk across a balance beam, balance beam's about, you know, yay big, I put it on the floor here, you could do it, right? You, you definitely do it. 
if I put it up 10 feet, now it gets rougher. I put it up between two buildings downtown Manhattan. It's impossible. Why? This. Same balance beam, right? So five-minute procrastination cure is taking the mindset that my actions will give me motivation. My motivation is not going to lead to action. It seldom does. So that's kind of that in a nutshell. Certainly there's more in the article on my website about that as well. Well, thank you. Now, for, for, for one of my most enjoyable parts, I spoke to you about uh, if you had a joke for us or a funny story. <laughs> yeah, you know, when we started this, I, you know, I was thinking about jokes, and I'm not a huge joke guy. Um, I have nothing on a sense of humor, but I don't tell a great joke. But one of the things I like to do in my own practice uh, as a sort of like a inside aha builder is uh, I like to tell stories metaphors, stories, um, expressions, a uh, big believer in visualization, which I know you use an NLP technique. Um, I, my, one of my favorite stories is I've heard this, uh, read this story about a year ago, and been th- I think about it a lot in years, that when something happens in your life that you're not sure how it's going to go. And it's a Zen story. It's frequently called Maybe. And it's a story of a farmer who lives alone with his son on a farm in a province in China. And the only work animal he has is one horse. He and his son work very hard with this one horse. So one day the horse runs away. And every evening the villagers get together and you know, the village meets that night and they're sharing their day. And he's consoled with, oh my God, that's terrible. You've lost your horse. How horrible. How are you going to get by? It was so sad for you. And he said, they said, this is a terrible thing. He said, maybe. Next day, the horse returns, and it's got five wild horses with it. That evening, the villagers meet, and they say to him, what a great stroke of good fortune. Now, you have six horses, and you have a son. You're so lucky. He says, maybe. Uh, The next day, his son tries to domesticate one of the new horses. So he throws a saddle on it, tries to ride it, can't, falls, breaks his leg, can't work. That evening, oh my God, you're working all alone. What are you going to do without your son's help? This is a terrible thing. He says, maybe. The next day, their province declares war on a neighboring province. And the overlord of the province goes through the village and takes everybody's sons and enlists them in the military. His son can't go. This is a terrible thing. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> That's the story. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> now, <clears throat> we're ta- uh, for promotion, for anybody that wants to get a hold of John, the best way to do it is go right to his website at mind, oh, HTTP, mindbodycoach.org. And from there, you should be able to find all the different things that you have. And I wanted to ask you what kind of things that you have to promote on your site or things that you'd like to tell us about before we go. Right. Well, uh, my site also links up to uh, my Facebook page, which I, uh, I post stuff every day, some of it mine, some of it you know, borrowed from other people, mm-hmm. uh, Twitter as well. Uh, one of the things that I have on my website, products that I sell, in addition, I do uh, coaching via Skype and, and, and telephones. Um, which if you read my blog, you see the way I do things, you read the uh, articles that I write. But for your, um, your people that are watching this and people in the do-it-yourself 
self-help network or anybody else. If you email me, john at mindbodycoach.org, and you mention Rini, uh, I will send you a PDF of any of the eBooks that I have on my website. There's a product page on mindbodycoach.org. Um, essentially what the books are are ways to take psychotherapy, make it op- open for the masses, people that can do it as a do-it-yourself do it thing. Um, but if you send me an email, john at mindbodycoach.org, mindbodycoach being one word, uh, and mention Rini, I will send you one of those, the ebook of your choice. Oh, great. Thank you. I think what I'm going to do is uh, use somebody else's email, and I'll send you a, so I can get That's one of those. <laughs> well, John, I'd like to thank you for, for visiting with us. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and you had some great nuggets in there that a lot of people can use. So thank you very much for joining well, us. Thank you very, thank you very much, Rini. And I, and I, you know, I mentioned this to you before. Uh, one of the uh, catalysts for myself as a you know, vehicle of personal development was your training that I had years ago, uh, which I highly recommend. And you know, even though we haven't had a lot of contact over the years, I've been following your stuff and think it's great. And I appreciate the work you do. Well, thank you, John. You have a thank great you. night. All right, great talking to you. Take care.